Hi, and welcome to episode four of Walk to Work, a podcast where I, where I'm sadly in need of a tagline, but basically I talk about dance, uh, music, and stuff. And today I will be part one of a two-part series on, or maybe three-part. We'll see how we get on on body mechanics. Um, So uh, maybe half a year back, I wrote a blog post about. Uh, why studying body mechanics is really useful for learning to dance. And I wanted to follow up on that, uh, because it's a subject I I care a lot about. I've been teaching uh, some body mechanics for partner dancing uh, workshops and been really excited at the the results uh, that I see in people from from those workshops and also the the potential, yeah, that that I see in this work. So uh, I used to be a very ungracious dancer. I guess I just never believed that I would be actually a dancer with capital letters. And it held me back, that belief, but also a certain inability to, to dance uh, in a coordinated way. So and body mechanics is kind of the, the, the hack for that. It's the underlying breakdown of movement and how uh, individual body parts and the whole body come together as a whole to achieve certain functional movements such as walking or turning or pivoting or doing a fishtail. Um, and so in the blog post I had 10 reasons, I think I still have 10, uh, I have a kind of slight 11th and I have a 12th that I want to reintegrate back in. But so hopefully today we'll do the first five, see how we get on before I get to work. Ooh, there is a goldfinch. I've been seeing a couple of goldfinches in, Switzerland, uh, in Scotland recently, but never one this close. I like goldfinches. So number one, uh, how body mechanics will improve your partner dancing is it will make your dancing more effortless. Um, and so... When we, we learn to do some kind of movement, it starts off uh, being a little bit awkward. We have to kind of fit it in our bodies. And over time, we gradually um, bring it to a minimum amount of effort. Because it's a very, fairly rare situation where effortful movement is actually a functional goal that we have. <coughs> Ooh, a bit of wind. <coughs> and I have a fog in my throat, which is not very useful for talking. Uh, so... But then we get stuck in a local minimum. So to illustrate that, last week I was in Zurich and we had to commute from our hotel, which was next to Zurich Station, uh, to uh, the site where I was doing some training that was um, where I had to take the train and had to take the train pretty much from the opposite end of the station to uh, where the nearest entrance to the hotel was. And my boss had actually given me a a map saying, yeah, it's a little bit complicated. Uh, Here, follow this map. And his map took us all the way along to the front of the station and then across the station and then down some steps. And then you take um, a right and you buy a ticket. And then you take a left and you go up a little ramp. And then you take a right uh, and then you go right again and down an escalator and you arrive on the correct platform. And that's... That's pretty complicated, and first day it took us a while, because I guess we also didn't believe it was quite that complicated. And second day we had it, and we'd made it kind of more effort, 
uh, more effortless in that we're able to just get down there. But um, it was still a little bit of a long uh, trek to get to somewhere where there ought to be uh, a simpler way. So day three, we decided to find a simpler way. And so we just went down, thought it should be along here. Um, and it wasn't. And it also wasn't signposted. And so it turns out that underneath uh, Zurich main train station, there's a river. So there's kind of three levels. There's the outside ground level, and then there's level minus one, and then there's level minus two. And level minus one does not connect all the way through because, on level, because also on level minus one, there is a river that you can't go through. You have to go under to level minus two, which is where the platforms are, and which is never indicated as a way to get to anywhere because that would just be confusing. Uh, or you have to go up to the ground level. And then on the ground level, you can't really get through to places because uh, there's, uh, you can only go around the end. So basically to escape this local minimum of uh, a path that we knew that we'd taken on day one, that we'd made more efficient because we knew where to go and were more decisive and confident in it on day two, day three we tried something new and... It was kind of a failure. And that's sort of what happens when you try to escape uh, a local minimum. It feels uncomfortable, it doesn't work, and you have to try a little bit and feel fairly confident. And so fortunately, uh, geography in two dimensions plus uh, three levels is something that we can hold in our head and construct kind of a map. And that's when we realize we can actually uh, cut straight across the train tracks on level minus one, go down to level minus two, to a platform, go along the platform, go up the other side, and that's where the entrance to our next platform is. Um, and so yeah, that was uh, easy enough once we actually had the map. And so we'd escaped our local minimum, made it a little bit more difficult, and on day four we had shaved, yeah, probably like a whole 25 seconds off our morning commute to catch train time. Uh, so yeah, body mechanics is kind of like the map that allows you to find more effortless movement and to escape the current optimization you have with your current movement, go kind of over a hump of, ooh, this is slightly more uncomfortable, I can't dance as well like this, and then into a new form of effortlessness uh, that's kind of just over the other side. Two we have um, body mechanics helps your movement look good. So I spent a lot of my partner dance uh, life in the past uh, 10 plus years uh, sort of loudly insisting that my dancing did not need to look good so long as it felt good. And I think that's a, a kind of reassuring lie that we often tell ourselves that there's people who are better than they, who feel better than they look and there's people who look better than they feel and invariably, if you look good, you're probably going to look better, slightly better than you feel. And if you look bad, well, probably you're going to feel slightly better than that, on average. Uh, and so it probably just says more about the variance in how good people look compared to the variance in how good people feel, although that's pretty huge too, than it does actually about whether there is some kind of trade-off there. We like to think there's maybe a trade-off. Um, and the thing is, when effortless movement looks good, 
there's a kind of physical beauty and truth that we instinctively respond, instinctively respond to uh, in the same way that uh, the flight path that a bird takes looks good. And it looks good because it's very natural in the world in the sense that um, there, there's no artifice to it. There's no extra effort. And that's maybe like why uh, there's, a, there's an aesthetic to ballroom dancing that a lot of people find a little bit off-putting. Uh, and I think part of that is that they go through very efficient movement and then they stylize it and exaggerate it in a way that kind of doesn't look good because it looks more effortful than it needs to be. And obviously, within the ballroom dance aesthetic, I assume that that movement actually does look good. Uh, and then there's a the whole thing that looking good is uh, cultural rather than um, unambiguously true. And then from that bare bones and looking good, you also have the space to effortlessly reach into the extension. And so you can add the slightly more elongated line that you're already kind of in because of the effortless movement, because effortless movement does kind of create lines. And then you can showcase those lines and it's a really good starting point if you wanted to look even better. And then looking good and uh, dancing well kind of a self-reinforcing process because if you do a movement, you look at yourself in the mirror on a video and it looks good, then you kind of assume that uh, there's something good about it. And if it looks not good, that's sort of a signal uh, that uh, it could look better. And so probably you can find a mechanically better way of doing it. So we had one, effortlessness and escaping local minimas, a map. We had two, looking good and how looking good feels into moving good uh, and ungrammatical, apparently. Uh, and then three is it improves your partnering. So the way I think of partnering is very simple. Um, lead does a movement follow, perceives that movement, and chooses to do the same movement. We can extend that a little bit uh, where same movement is a movement that matches in some way. If I take a step to the side, you take a step to the side. If I take a step forward, you take a step back. Um, if I take a step back and open up, uh, that's kind of the lead to a side pass, and you, uh, their same is that you somehow uh, fill the space that I create. So maybe I start it with a bit of stretch uh, or lag and you lag behind and then whoosh, I release that stretch and you rush forward, as it were, to go and fill the space that I created in my side pass. Um, and so the, the two components of this, are, well, the three components, are lead moves their own body, follow tracks the movement that the body is, of the lead's body and follow matches. Uh, and then there's uh, a cycle going in where the lead also has to track their follows uh, movement uh, and they have to respect that, um, uh, that movement because that tells them where the other person is and when they're ready uh, to transition to something new. And so where body mechanics helps with this is there's also that we, we're touching probably with our hands, maybe with our hands and back, maybe with our whole upper body. And we're doing things with our whole body. So the places that we're touching have to tell the same story, have to tell a story 
that is coherent with what we're doing with the rest of our body. And body mechanics is a way to achieve that coherence. So there's a coherence in space in that when I take a step forward, the organization of my torso, the organization of my arms says, Greg's taking a step forward. Not in a signal, there's no such thing as signals in partner dancing, uh, but in a, um, yes, tell, telling a, 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 signal, a single story. It, the connection, through the connection, you don't get the signal of the movement, you get the movement. And also, there's, uh, through good body mechanics, there's a coherence in time. The transition from one millisecond of movement into the next millisecond of movement makes sense because it follows some kind of path, path of lowest effort. Um, and so that's how we, we lead preparations for movement. If I lead the alignment that's going to uh, release into a turn, we can then take the step, release uh, the alignment, and the swing of the step takes us through the turn. And then for follows, that's kind of the same thing. When I'm following, my natural instinct is to mimic what my leader is doing. And so if I can track that uh, they're standing on their left leg, I can mimic that by standing on my right leg. If I can track that they're starting to lever off that right leg, off that left leg, forward onto their right leg, I can mimic that in whatever way is appropriate by either levering forward from my standing leg or leaning back, levering back from my standing leg. Yeah, so apparently that's number three and I've almost arrived at work. So we will leave uh, the next seven for, I presume, another two episodes. Yes. See you next time. Till then, take care.